Welcome to You Relevant, the podcast that is all about helping you find relevance in the economy of now. My name is Mike Wheeler, and I'm an online instructor, entrepreneur, and cloud career coach. I gravitate towards tools and tech that enable you to create something new, advance your career, and find the intersection between attainable and essential. Irrelevant is sponsored by MikeWheelerMediaLive.com. If you are studying for your first Salesforce certification, I want to let you know about my live training option. I run a live Salesforce administrator training class three to four times a year. This is a live class that runs for nine weeks. And in this live setting, I cover the latest updates from Salesforce, and I'm also able to answer your questions live. So if you'd like to learn in a live group setting with greater interactivity, then go to MikeWheelerMediaLive.com. There you'll find schedule and pricing information and FAQ, and you can also register. Just go to MikeWheelerMediaLive.com for details. Today, we are joined by Andrew Fisher. I'm very excited about interviewing you, Andrew, because I've known you for a while. And so how are you doing today? Good. I'm good. I'm enjoying the uh, opportunity to start to go out a little bit, you know, as they ease some restrictions, you know, six feet away from everybody, but still having some right. social interaction. Right. Yeah. When I, when I first thought about interviewing you, this was before Corona, and I thought we would just do it here in my palatial studio. It looks like a... <laughs> You know, it looks like a quarantine cell is what it looks like, but it kind of is. But, um, but I digress. But so we're doing this by Zoom. But yeah, we are in the state of Tennessee. And so you're coming to us from your home uh, near Nashville, right? Correct. Yep. Okay. And so we go way back. Um, our families are friends. And so you're friends with uh, my sons, Anthony and Aaron. And I interviewed Anthony yesterday about his own Salesforce career. And so it's, as fate would have it, we had this schedule for the very next day. And so I've known you since you were probably, I don't know how old. Seven how, or eight, maybe, seven or maybe eight younger. <laughs> right. Yeah. The, the quintessential, I, when I first met you, you were this tall. Yeah. Now you're taller than me. <laughs> and I just can't help but admire how much taller your hair is than mine. Is than mine. <laughs> anyway, but for well, those of you that are watching, you can probably tell that Andrew and I know each other quite well. And uh, that's because we've known each other for a long time. And I've admired his tenacity in pursuing this career. And, um, and so, Andrew, I know that early on in pursuing Salesforce, you were in high school. And actually, we, the fates aligned and we were able to work together at Mike Wheeler Media at really the start of teaching online classes as well. And so, can you share some about what that was like at that tender age of 16 or 17 working as a like freelance contractor for this crazy old man named Mike Wheeler who <laughs> <laughs> saying something about doing Salesforce. What was that like? And tell me the truth. Don't tell me what I want to hear. Tell me some of the doubts, some of the, some of the worries, some of the things you talk to your parents about, like, I don't know about this. <laughs> feel free to share. Well, so, my favorite memory is counting how many sales uh, or how many times the course had sold. And we had a whiteboard 
where we had the dates and we'd put like, you know, we made six sales today. And, uh, you know, I honestly, I had no idea where it was going. I was just having fun because like you said, we have been close for so long. And so even though we were working and actually, you know, we did do some pretty cool stuff with the recruitment app and building, uh, some email to case, things like that. Um, you know, even though we were going through all of those productive learning exercises, I was still having the time of my life. And, you know, I never thought that you'd now be teaching, you know, 110,000 students or whatever the number's at now. Um, but it's cool to think, you know, I was in the room where it happened. You know, I was there when we made the first sale. Um, and when, you know, from there, I got to help video edit some of the future courses and all the things like that. Uh, but yeah, those are some of my fonder, fonder memories. And, um, I think it really set the tone for um, like how I approach my day-to-day -day work now. You know, I feel like I learned a lot of uh, problem-solving skills working with such a small, like you said, tender org. You know, we didn't really have too much going on, um, but there were some big problems that we were trying to solve. So I feel like working in that kind of startup environment um, as my first foray into Salesforce, I has really, uh, it really, you know, I cut my teeth on solving problems in an out of the box way because we didn't have a ton of licenses or, you know, lightning wasn't huge back then. So we were working with the constraints of classic, but. Right. Some fond memories. I had forgotten that we would track those on the marker board, but that sounds <laughs> like me because I used to do that when I was selling Snuggies online, I would keep track of that kind of stuff. I would have all these little note cards that I keep track of traffic. I'm a big numbers guy, but you're right. We did it in a way. It almost felt like I was trying to come up with ways to give both you and Anthony real world opportunities to do work. And it was this fledgling company that was starting and we had no idea what it was going to do. And, uh, but even to this day, I get email alerts about potential duplicate contacts. And that's a process <laughs> that you built. You know, I don't know if you remember that one. That was a process builder that I handed off to you and, and you made that yep. happen, you know. So, uh, so that's, that's pretty fresh, you know. But I remember <laughs> when, I remember it like it was yesterday when you're like, hey, Mr. Mike, we're averaging 10 uh, enrollments a day. And, I, and at first I was a little offended because I thought, well, we've already passed 10 a day, haven't we? And then I looked at it like, no, we're just now passing 10 <laughs> a day. So I probably should have looked at, well, no, it's, it would be too navel gazing probably, but I thought it'd be interesting to see how many enrollments we have during our talk here, but it's more than 10 a day now. So right, right. That. But, uh, but a lot of fond memories though, and I have the original video uh, that we filmed. And so just a little backstory for those. And Andrew, you're aware of this because uh, we kind of have talked about this uh, since that time is that Andrew originally appeared in the first course that I ever did. He was a guest star and he became famously known as young Andrew because a lot of people were wanting to know, well, what's the follow-up with young Andrew? Because you were 17 at the time. Uh, and this uh, footage that we filmed, which I'll insert this at some point in this interview so we can look back on it, but it was filmed on March 24th of 2016, and you were 17 years of age at the time. So I'm dating you here. I hope you don't mind me revealing your age. <laughs> no, that's so, okay. <laughs> are you 21? 
I am. Yeah. Okay. 21. So, uh, so you've been at this four years now Four, yeah, a little over four years. And that yeah. would have been six days before the first course release because it came out on March 30th of 2016. And uh, you were getting ready to take the exam for the second time. And so you had already failed the exam once and it was the Salesforce administrator certification exam. And so I know from your personal story that you had multiple failed attempts. Okay. Now you're a successful Salesforce professional navigating this career and doing great. And you've not had those same struggles now, but share a little bit with the audience as someone that was a young person coming out of really no real business experience and trying to pass the certification. What were some of the challenges? What was that journey like? How long did it take you? How many attempts? Just uh, the, the warts and all to share the truth. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I think thinking back on it, um, my biggest challenge was that I, you know, I was fresh out of high school. I, at, at the time in March, I, had, I hadn't actually graduated yet. You know, I didn't graduate high school until May. So I was just trying to get ahead of the curve a little bit and get certified before I graduated. But uh, uh, I think the biggest challenge for me was that I didn't have any business experience. So if anybody's out there now and they're studying and they're feeling discouraged because they failed once, if you have any real world business experience, you have a leg up on when I was taking my Salesforce admin test because I had nothing. I was coming into Salesforce just trying to piece together how it fits into the day-to-day -day lives of people that use it, um, which I think now, four years, almost five years into it, it lends itself to me being a little bit more creative with solutions and less jaded by the way things are normally done. You know, because even now I'm still early in my career. I have a long career ahead of me, but uh, I do have some more business experience, but I still have kind of a fresh mindset when it comes to how to solve problems using Salesforce. Because when I learned it, I learned Salesforce at its core, you know, I, I didn't have any preconceived notions about how it should work. For instance, if you were to, if you were a customer service representative using Salesforce, then you would have service cloud pretty ingrained into your brain and moving into sales cloud might be kind of tough, but I had to digest all of that at once in order to uh, pass the admin test. So I, I think I ended up taking it six times total. So I failed the first five times and I didn't pass it till my sixth. Um, and I, actually, I took a pretty significant break between my fifth and sixth attempt because, you know, sometimes it is nice to step back and just work for a little while. I think at that point I had started an internship as a sales operations intern uh, with a software company here in Franklin. Um, so I, I spent some time working and that adding that context and adding some color to what I had already been studying, I think made the difference in me passing the sixth time. Um, but that was the only, that was the only exam that I've had to take that many times. I now have uh, four certifications. I have my uh, administrator platform app builder service cloud consultant and my platform developer one. Um, and the only ones I've had to take multiple times were the service cloud. I took twice and the developer one, I think I took twice. I'm, I might've gotten that one my first time. I, I don't really remember. Um, but all that to say, it's if you are using Salesforce now, you already have a leg up to how I was starting out in Salesforce. So 
if you're feeling discouraged, uh, you know, don't be because you, it's, it's once you pass the first certification, getting the second certification is like a cakewalk because you already know how they're going to phrase the questions. You're already familiar with the flow of the test and you have the core knowledge uh, and confidence. It's almost like just a mental thing. You're now confident that you can pass one certification test. So then when you go in for the second, once you've studied, you feel like more able to pass than in the first one. Excellent. So you went on from your great start at Mike Wheeler Media. <laughs> I'm going to say plus because the logo here in the background is for my platform. This is long before Mike Wheeler Media Plus. This was <laughs> You know, I remember sending you the spreadsheets every day of the enrollments or, and you would import those into Salesforce, for example. Yep. You know? But so, yeah, we've come a long ways it's collectively and individually as well. It's, it's fun <laughs> to look back on that. But I have looked on to your career with a sense of pride in knowing that I helped and in some small way kind of uh, root you on. And there were times where I had doubts because you would come out of the exam room. It was in our old office and you'd, <laughs> you know, I'd be waiting to hear, you know, and be like, nope, didn't get it. You know, and I'm, I'm trying to, it, but it is hard coming out of high school, no relevant uh, business experience. It is hard to understand what is an opportunity. What is a stage of an opportunity? You know, 17 year old, doesn't care about business opportunities, you know? That's not <laughs> yeah. front of mind, you know? So you went on then to an internship as a sales operations person? Right, yes. So essentially, I, uh, I was a Band-Aid for a lead assignment rule. So they had <laughs> kind of some broken lead assignment rules and I would, uh, you know, divvy out the leads as they came in, which kind of, once I expressed a, a greater interest in learning Salesforce administration as a whole, I did get to start working with tools like SalesLoft. I would build email cadences and things like that. So I did start to move into more of an actual operations role. But when I was first brought on, yeah, I just sent leads to the salespeople. <laughs> Nice. Love it. So, but you can see how, and I think in your story, and this is kind of a commonly recurring theme in some of these interviews I do, is that no one comes out of the gate as secretariat. They're not winning the Kentucky, right. Kentucky Derby. They are doing the work behind the scenes and just, the thing is work begets more work and you get experience and you build upon that. And just like how Mike Wither Media Plus took four or five years in the making, and you went on from there then, and I think another thing to highlight for people that are listening and watching and learning from your example is that you did show initiative to take on more administrative roles and that gave you the opportunity to do more in that internship. And so what came after that? So then I moved into the automotive industry working as a business analyst. Um, so my primary role was to gather requirements and translate those into development work that needed to be done. Um, but a similar, a similar turn of events took place in that role where I expressed an interest in leading more projects and actually executing some of the building of objects and, um, you know, some API integrations. Uh, one of the I got to work with DocuSign pretty in depth and, you know, I built out a whole DocuSign process with multiple custom objects all working together with some flow automation and process builder. Um, and all that was just because I told my boss, 
you know, I'm interested in learning about this. Can I just take a crack at it before I pass it off to the developer? So there were a lot of instances where I would take a crack at it and it would be bad. Then I would have to pass it to the developer and, you know, profusely apologize as he fixes my work. But I learned from that. You know, I got my hands dirty and made some mistakes, but now I look back on that as some really formative projects that I got to work on. Excellent advice. And that kind of reminds me of how I approached my tech writing career years ago. I remember early on in becoming a tech writer, I would make my own stab at writing out instructions and then I would give it to someone that knew what they were doing. (laughs) And I would save my copy and then I would get their copy in Microsoft Word and I would do that compare feature in Microsoft Word and see where the red lines were were to see what that person did to improve what I had done. And so it sounds like you had a similar experience, but in the development realm, because you, Andrew, I don't think were a natural born coder. You did not come out of the womb <laughs> slinging code, you know, no. unlike yeah. some people that we know. You are <laughs> uh, not a natural born coder, I think, but you mentioned Dev1. So it sounds like you kind of had your eye on learning more development things, and this is where flows start coming into place. Mm-hmm. And so then an automotive company, I think that was a pretty large, well-known company who shall remain nameless, right? <laughs> so yeah. um, how old were you at that time? So I uh, was 18, and then I turned 19 while I was, uh, <laughs> while I was at that job. Um, wow. So all of all, and all of the uh, developers I was working with were, you know, old enough to, you know, be my dad. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Which is sometimes still the case even today. Right. But you know, yeah. I try not to mention it too much. <laughs> right. When I was nineteen, I was working in a produce department at a grocery store. So I did my time in the grocery store. There's nothing wrong with yeah, that. <laughs> nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. But I was nowhere near. Uh, walking into like a Fortune 500 building and not having security escort me out, you know, that was, <laughs> that would have been my experience. So, uh, but I, that's the wonder in what's I think marvelous about the ecosystem and this particular platform is it opens up doors to you and to me that seemed impenetrable before, you know, mm-hmm. and it almost seems ludicrous that an 18 year old young man could be dressing up each day and going into that big impressive building and (laughs) security knowing them and letting them in and having a desk there and being paid well. I mean, the whole thing and being a business analyst um, and once again, showing the initiative to take on some of those challenges, not shying away from the challenges, being humble enough to make mistakes. So here's my, here's my meager attempt and then going to someone and finding that, um, guidance to help and to improve. And so from there, what did you do next? So from there, I was offered a position at a publishing company here in Brentwood, which is a little bit smaller. Um, But it was an interesting role um, because when I started, I was working with a developer. So I would handle all of the business requirements and building out the processes that were all uh, declarative. And then anything code based, I would pass off to him. But about three months into my time there, he resigned, um, but we still had significant coding that needed to be managed and then also new coding that needed to be put in. But as, is the, as the story goes, there wasn't a budget for a new developer. Um, so it was my, you know, it's kind of a 
a golden opportunity to dive headfirst into code um, and, you know, start to really digest what he had done and then make some changes to that as the business requested, but then also use that, use some of the boilerplate code to create new components. Um, so in that job, that was where I first started doing development, uh, both with Ape. It was at that time, it was just Apex and Visual Force. They weren't in Lightning yet, so I didn't do any Lightning components or anything crazy like that. Um, but I did have to do, you know, some batch jobs and some crazy things that I never thought I would have to touch. Um, but I still use a lot of that, um, that coding knowledge that I learned in that job. And it, it was kind of a similar situation to when I first got into Salesforce because I had only done some rudimentary HTML and CSS. I hadn't really done uh, too much object-oriented code or anything like that. So when I learned Apex, that was my first coding language that I learned, which isn't the case for most developers. Most developers come from a Java or a C-sharp background. Um, but I was able to kind of take Apex to its limits where most developers would kind of just use a more efficient coding language. I didn't really have that tool belt. So I would just use Apex anytime that I could, uh, whether that was just writing a, um, like a script that you run one off and you test it in the sandbox and then open the developer console and run it. It's definitely not best practice, but uh, you can do that if you need to run an anonymous script. Um, but yeah, so that role was high intensity um, because I, I had gone from being on a team of very experienced developers being the bottom of the totem pole to now being the only person in the company that knows how to, use Salesforce in the back end to be an admin and a developer. Um, so I don't think I was ready for it. Looking back on it, I was not ready to fly solo yet. But um, after, you know, picking myself up after a few crashes, I, uh, I realized, you know, I, I learned a lot through that, that inferno, you know, trial by fire, as they say. Um, but that, that was a very interesting job. And from there, I moved to a, a large healthcare company here in Nashville um, as a, as a was brought on as an admin slash developer, um, but quickly moved into being just a full-time developer and they were moving to lightning. So I worked quite a bit with lightning components. I built some lightning components to go on a public facing website. Um, but all of this while still retaining my, ability to gather business requirements and to use declarative tools when needed. Um, whereas a lot of developers will go straight to code when a problem is given to them. I always try to go with declarative first because that's what I learned first. And then I now just have coding as a extension of that knowledge. Um, so that's kind of been the last couple of years for those two roles. Irrelevant is sponsored by MikeWheelerMediaPlus.com. You'll find all of my courses on my platform, so just go to MikeWheelerMediaPlus.com. You'll also find exclusive content there, such as my brand new Salesforce Certified Administrator course for 2021. It's bigger and better than ever and available nowhere else. Simply go to MikeWheelerMediaPlus.com and sign up for a seven-day free trial today. 
You'll find dozens of courses and hundreds of hours of in-depth video training content. Also, be sure to download our mobile apps for iOS and Android. Just search for Mike Wheeler Media Plus on your favorite app store, and you'll find us there too. Awesome. So then at some point, you attained your Developer One certification. Um, was that during this most recent role that you were talking about, or did, was it predate that, or...? I think, um, I think it was in 2017, maybe November of 2017 is when I got my dev one. So it, it might've been early into the most recent role that I was discussing or late into the publishing. Okay. Okay. So you definitely were having the occasion to do some coding and then you got the dev one. And, uh, then you mentioned as well, or I know that you're, going through a job change right now. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. So I went from the healthcare company to in January, I started at a company um, that does live event production. Um, so at the time, time. yeah, time. At, at, the, <laughs> at the time I was like, man, this is amazing. You know, they do shows for, you know, big artists, like big artists, like Post Malone. I don't know if I can say that, like huge artists. Okay. Um, and you can so say at the time. Okay. <laughs> at the time, I was really excited to have this opportunity. And then uh, this virus happened. And, uh, you know, due to the circumstances, a, a lot of companies are being impacted, but specifically the entertainment industry is very, very heavily impacted. Um, so, when everything started going downhill and there wasn't much light at the end of the tunnel, I kind of put some feelers out there hesitantly because I, I knew that I hadn't been at this role for very long. Um, but I was able to, within a couple of weeks, receive a, a job offer that was actually a raise from what I was making, which I wasn't expecting. I was just expecting a lateral move. Um, but it's a, you know, a bump from what I was making before in the health insurance space. Um, so, uh, you know, in a short amount of time, I was able to land, land a job in a much, much more secure industry, um, where I will hopefully be for a long time, but that's, it was only due to having a skill set that was in demand, you know, and is always in demand. I'm still seeing, still seeing a higher demand, especially for developers, but also for admins. You know, I think there's, there's sometimes the misconception that you have to know how to code in order to land a Salesforce job, but that's not the case. The first three or four Salesforce jobs that I had, I had very minimal, if, if at all coding knowledge, you know, I hardly had any, um, but I was able to get really, really, you know, jobs that paid very well, um, for my age and it's allowed me to, you know, purchase a home. I have a, a wife and a child and all of that is due to Salesforce and Mike Wheeler media, you know, hey. <laughs> now that's, that is very inspiring though. And I think there's a lot to unpack there because in the background is a guitar hanging on the wall and knowing Andrew, yes. he's quite the musician. Um, and I didn't really go into music with Anthony during that interview. It's really weird interviewing those that I know very well because <laughs> I'm used to just asking questions, not knowing the answer, and then just genuine looks of surprise. But, and I hadn't really put this together until just now, but 
that job that you landed in January with a live events company that puts on musical things, that probably seemed like a dream job, you know? Yeah. And then for the coronavirus to come along and to wipe out live events through no fault of anyone, and there's no way of knowing what was coming down the pike, but, uh, but seeing that you were able to pivot in this pandemic and find something else fairly quickly is inspiring, you know? So, and you landed in a space in uh, healthcare and insurance, you know? So I think part of the advice to others and kind of learning from what Andrew has done here and seeing, and this is some thought that I've been uh, giving and trying to advice I've been trying to give others in this time because we are in the midst of such an economic crisis is to find what is attainable and what is essential, finding where that intersects. And then given your own background and experience, moving in that direction during this time. And I think that there's some other myths or some holdovers from a previous generation, maybe my generation and those that preceded me think, oh, it's not good to jump from job to job. And a lot of times, people don't intend to jump from job to job, but Andrew, you've had like six jobs now, right? Yeah. It's, I heard somebody told me once that the average person will have seven jobs in their lifetime. And I was like, well, hopefully my life is not as short as seven jobs because I'm about to hit, I'm about to hit seven jobs. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, uh, if it's any comfort, not that I can provide you any comfort, I've probably had a hundred different jobs before <laughs> I finally figured out what I'm supposed to be doing when I grow up, but it happens. But I think that experience had, has helped me to teach others because I've done so many different things. But they, maybe a few decades ago, it was bad to jump from job to job. But I see now in this ecosystem, even before the pandemic, people weren't concerned about you being six months at one place, nine months another. They just need to know, can you solve the problems that we have right now? And if you get things done, you're going to stick around as long as you care to until something else better comes along, really. And I think that there's no shame for anyone, regardless of circumstance, to have a significant gap in their employment. And I was just watching some of the news reports now about unemployment and the record number of claims. And I remember just a couple of years ago, I was recording videos about how bad the 2008 and 2009 economic crisis was. This was long before your time, Andrew. But <laughs> those of us that are a little older can remember how bad that was. And then the unemployment numbers coming out of COVID-19 are like 25 times worse. And so a lot of people, a lot of industries are getting wiped out. That's a bad thing. But the silver lining in that dark cloud is that you can come to an interview with a gap. People understand, people don't care. They understand we're, we're trying to collectively survive as a human race, okay? So having the pristine resume or the perfect background all of that is gone. Okay. We are entering into this new phase. And I, I even, I don't know if you can see this on the camera, but I used I, my crack staff of graphic designers of attainable and essential. I mean, what I, what I want to tell those of you that are listening, I mean, Andrew's got his next job coming along and he's pivoting from the one he was in is that you need to look at the guidance that you're getting from either the federal or the state or local municipalities as to what is essential. What does your community consider essential? And I mean, I'm in my office space here, okay? 
when the governor of Tennessee released what is essential for the state of Tennessee, I found three areas where, at least in my mind, what I'm doing is essential. One of those is enabling remote learning. I'm teaching people remotely. I'm doing live classes. I'm doing interviews. I'm helping people to hopefully land a career and a job. And so I think that this is borne out in what you have walked out, Andrew. And sometimes things have been thrust upon you that you didn't ask for, but you didn't feel sorry for yourself. You didn't give up. After the six times taking the exam, you know, you just kept going and said, hey, why not me? Why not this time? Why not now? And that takes a certain amount of bravery as well to just raise your hand and say, I'll try it whether that's coding or whatever. And you don't know if you can code or not unless you try. And then if you have room to improve, you just improve those areas. Don't take it personally. Move on. You know, I mean, I've watched your guitar playing improve, your singing voice improve. <laughs> and, uh, and hopefully people have seen my teaching improve over the years. You know, the early courses were like really <laughs> boring. You know, it's like, man. I still got to speed myself up to listen to myself, but that's another story. So enough about me, enough about <laughs> you, but um, I guess in this as well, something that comes up in these uh, interviewing younger people, those that kind of hit the ground running out of high school that are successful at a young age, uh, some of these people that I've interviewed, my son included, uh, other people, some have done some college, some have gotten college degrees, some have done no college at all. What have you done about college, if anything? Sure. So when I was first out of high school working as the sales operations intern, I was going to a local community college just trying to study web development um, because I couldn't really think of another. I didn't think that I wanted to go full-blown software development at that time. So I went with something a little, what I thought would be a little bit less extreme. Um, but it just so happened that I was at one community college and they canceled the web development program because it was an all online program and they had a lot of people drop out before finishing. So they canceled it. So then I transferred to another local community college and the same exact thing happened. They just canceled the program that I was in. So I kind of took that as a, as a sign to take a break from school. And that's when I transitioned into working at the automotive company as a business analyst. Um, and while I was at that job, um, the manager that I had at the time, um, who we still stay in contact, he was, he was really formative in helping me learn how to be a successful Salesforce professional. He, uh, he was recommending that I look into going back to school now that I had landed a job that was paying well and I was looking into purchasing homes and things like that. He was like, while you're young, you should really try and get your, get your degree. Um, so I, I took that advice and I started going online to uh, Western Governors University. Um, and I started by studying data analytics, um, but I found that two years into that degree program, I was really struggling with it because it was a lot about server data and things like that. And I've never, I don't actually think I've ever seen a server. Um, so I was very out of my element in that degree program. Um, so I ended up transferring to software development and uh, that's actually been a really good transition. I'm really enjoying that. Um, and uh, even though, you know, I know Anthony, he doesn't have a degree and he has been very successful and he's a much better developer than I am. Um, but, <laughs> but I do, uh, 
I am starting to hear the question, you know, in interviews at, at this level, I'm starting to hear the question, you know, Oh, where's your degree? Why don't you have a degree? All this kind of stuff. Um, which I think I still see that kind of shifting. I still see interviewers ask that question less than even three years ago. Um, when I was interviewing at all the different companies trying to land my job, uh, to get out of the internship, I, uh, I was asked multiple times, more times than I can count, you know, do you have a college degree? Are you in college? Um, and at that time I wasn't. Um, so, but now, you know, I think that that question might come up maybe two out of five interviews. Um, but it is, it is interesting to come at a software development degree only having learned Apex and Salesforce related coding. Um, but I think it's actually lent itself to me picking up coding languages quicker um, because when Salesforce transitioned into Lightning, I had never read a line of JavaScript and now I'm proficient in JavaScript because that's what the framework is built on. Um, so I think the benefit of Salesforce and how quickly you can attain certifications and how quickly you can solve problems is you, you get a mindset of or at least I have, I, I don't know if this goes for everybody, but I'm really quick to jump headfirst into something, even if I am not quite sure what the outcome is going to be. Um, and that's the only way that I've been able to learn how to code, how to use process builder, how to use flow to its limits until I get a CPU timeout and then I have to use code, you know, it, it, all, it all goes full circle. But um, yeah, so I'm, I'm now, I'm about, six months to a year out from finishing my degree in software development. Um, but all of my jobs that I've held all six, almost seven of them have, uh, I've been able to go through the interview process without having to, you know, sp specify where I got my degree or what my degree was in or anything like that. Excellent. So I know that you've attained some other certifications in addition to Salesforce. What other certifications and other tools or industries do you hold? Sure. So I have um, a couple of CompTIA certifications. I think I have my A plus certification, which is just uh, desktop administration. And I also have the project plus, which is a project management certification. Um, additionally, I have the Microsoft software development fundamentals certification, which covers uh, C sharp, HTML, CSS, and some simple JavaScript. Um, so, all of those I have gotten separate from studying for Salesforce certifications. Okay. All right. So one thing I, this just kind of popped into my fertile imagination, but I was realizing <laughs> I've done a couple of other interviews recently, one with Owen, who is in the process of creating the community cloud course. Anthony, oh. my son, who is doing a Salesforce DX course, he's done one, he's going to do a more advanced one. So I've got to ask you, with all the certifications that you hold and your ability to communicate as well as you do, have you thought about doing some teaching? I have considered it. Um, so I'm kind of trying to, I've, I'm trying to figure out what exactly I would go in or teach into because I feel like in my career, I've kind of just attempted to be a jack of all trades and I haven't really become a master of any of them. I wouldn't call myself a master developer um, I wouldn't, 
I wouldn't even call myself a master administrator. I'm kind of, I just do what I'm asked to do <laughs> and try to solve the problems. Um, but I think once I, once I finish my degree, I think I might have some time to really think about what I could potentially share, what knowledge I might have to pass on. Excellent. Excellent. I think you'd be great. And if you ever need like a grizzled veteran to just appear <laughs> on camera, go listen. To I never to go to. I'll, I'll do it. So I kind of did that for Anthony. I'm like, listen to this kid. He knows what he's doing, you know? So it's so funny because I would, people would tell Anthony he doesn't have enough experience. And I'd be like, he is such a better developer than me, you know? And yeah. I think because of the gray beard, people just assume certain things, you know, <laughs> like, Oh, I've got experience. Uh, but, but fortunately for you guys, you've got enough years under your belt now that you don't get hit with that nearly as much. And so Kudos for just navigating this uh, trying time as well, and um, and it's um, it's an inspiring story. It's one that I think that some of my early students will probably recognize you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and so I want to try one last experiment. I don't know how this is going to go technologically, but I would like to, if you don't mind, show you the video from four years ago okay. right before you failed your second time. Yeah. And I, in, on this, I guess I need to give a little bit of setup for this. I'm not going to show the whole thing, but like one minute of it is the intention of this. We filmed this six days before the actual course, the first course released. And it was to demonstrate the setup of the computer, the laptop, the camera, back when it had to be the side. Right now, Salesforce doesn't require an external webcam, but at the time they did. And so uh, Andrew was taking his exam. So I took the opportunity to, to take advantage of that and film this and put you on the spot as if you didn't have enough stress trying to pass the exam as a 17 year old, you know, Mike Wheeler trying to record you as an example, you know, sorry about that. That's probably why you failed a few times. Cause I was like trying to use it for production no, value. But anyway, but I want to show you this video and um, we'll just kind of let it, let it uh, go from there. If I can figure out how to do this, let's see. Sam, take the allotted time. And so how are you feeling about your chances today, Andrew? I definitely feel better than I did last time. Last time? So what yes. happened last time, Andrew? Well, last time I, I took it uh, two weeks ago, and uh, I really just took it to see what I was up against. Okay. I didn't, I didn't know what the exact questions were going to be like, but I definitely feel like that helped, like failing it the first time. Okay. was really beneficial to knowing what to study and where to focus okay. all the time. Okay, so yeah, there's no shame in failing the certification exam. I failed my first time, Andrew failed his first time, and it, it seems to be the majority experience is failing the first time, and then we always recommend as well doing what's called a brain dump. That's not the greatest term, potentially. That's where you go from memory and record things that you remember from the exam, so that if you do fail it, you can have some study material for the next time. So we wish you luck, Andrew, and we'll see you on the other, other side. Okay, so thanks. All right. I had no idea what, what was going to happen. <laughs> for, yeah, so that was pretty cool, you know. Uh, so yeah, the trip down memory lane, and so look how far you've come since then. Um, glad you stuck with it and didn't give up. And a great job, Andrew, and thank you so much for uh, taking your time out of your busy day to uh, spend some time. Yep. Thank you so much, Mike. I appreciate it. 
So if you could please do this new podcaster a solid, please share this podcast with others. I also want to hear your voice. Please do reach out to me. I want to include the voices of my listeners. If you have any questions, leave that in a voice message. You may be featured in a future episode. And please subscribe, share, spread the word about You Relevant. And together, we'll help you and others find relevance in the economy of now. Thanks. Thanks.